Today in our Life with Jesus series, working through the book of 1 John, we've come to the subject of faith that overcomes. We're in chapter 5, so let's read together. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you've been watching in previous weeks, you'll have gathered that John's style uh, is, is a bit circular. He circles round the same things, linking truth and love and linking our belief with our behaviour. But he goes ever deeper and introduces new things. And the new thing he introduces today is this idea of overcoming. Now, everyone wants to be a winner Everyone loves a winner, don't they? Nobody wants to be a loser. We love people who overcome, who overcome personal difficulty, who overcome circumstances or disadvantages, who become champions of this or that, or, or heroes uh, as the greatest of all time in a particular field. There's nothing new in that. It's said of Alexander the Great that when he saw the extent of his domain, he wept because there were no new worlds to conquer. Now, that might owe more to a misquote in a die-hard film uh, to gen than genuine history, but you get the point. Success is a false god in this world. It's the wisdom of the world. But the Bible points us to the true greatest of all time, to Jesus. Jesus is the real deal, and he overcame. You may well feel that John is just banging on again here about what we believe about Jesus. Uh, and you might say, well, does it really matter that much? Well, the answer, I think, is yes, it really does. We can put our trust or believe in all sorts of things or people or organisations and find out that they're not always what they say. They don't always deliver what they promise. And sometimes that's really important and sometimes it doesn't matter so much. If your builder doesn't arrive on time, it may be frustrating, but it's hardly the end of the world. But if you take that approach to gravity, well, that's different. Let's imagine I'm not sure about gravity. I mean, I see examples of it all around. I see it everywhere I go, but I also see people who somehow seem to defy gravity, who get away with it. And maybe I could get away with it too. But if you're on the edge of a cliff, what you believe about gravity really, really matters. It's a different story. It's a matter of life and death. And what we believe about Jesus or what we don't believe about him is like gravity. It's a serious and a life-changing thing. Christians believe this because, not just because it makes our lives better or helps us, although it does do that, but we believe it because it's true. It's not just true for me in that sort of, that's nice for you sense that people say. It's true because it really is absolutely true. How can we be so confident that Jesus really is who he says he is? 
How can we believe in an historic virgin birth, a life, a death, a resurrection? Well, let's go back to John's letter and see what he says. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And there are three in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God, which is given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe has made him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. John is telling us that we can be confident because it's backed up by witnesses. He points to three, the water, the blood, and the Holy Spirit. Now it sounds a bit confusing, I know, but let's cut to the chase. Most scholars agree that the water refers to baptism and the blood refers to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. At Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan, God the Father spoke from heaven. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus is on the cross, his blood is shed, he cries out, it is finished, and in the temple the curtain that separated people from the Holy God was torn into, access to God opened up. And at the birth of the church that we call Pentecost, more confirmation comes in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, promised throughout the Old Testament as a mark of the Messiah, promised and delivered when Jesus ascended to heaven and sat down at God's right hand. In Jewish law, for any matter to be settled, it took two or three witnesses. That's the confirmation that was required. And John argues if that's good enough in a human context, how much more should God's witness be acceptable and accepted by us. He even points out provocatively, if we don't believe it, we're calling God a liar. So even if we can be confident about who Jesus really is, and we can, where does this overcoming the world thing fit in? We face a conundrum that Phil Cranston addressed recently in a Hope Online service. It's worth a look. Go back and see it. On the one hand, we know that God loves the world. He loved the world so much, he sent his son to save it. Yet there's another sense in which the world represents not just a source of temptation and distraction, but also an active power for evil. The world, in this context, resists the arrival of its creator. The one who made it comes, and the world resists his rightful claim of lordship over it. It fights back. And we see this battle reflected in Jesus' life and his death and in his words. The same John who wrote this letter begins his gospel about Jesus with these words. He, Jesus, was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own 
but his own did not receive him. Later, John records that Jesus speaks of the world ruler being thrown down and the fact that the world ruler has nothing to do with him. Jesus battled in this world with the world and he overcame. And he tells us to expect the same battle and the same result. In a really honest combination of warning and encouragement to his disciples, Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So the question is, can we really overcome? The short and wonderful answer is yes. But who does that apply to? The offer sounds great, but we need to look at the T's and C's. We need to look at the small print. And we don't have to look too far. The answer's not hard to spot. Whoever, John tells us, is born of God overcomes the world. Christians, you and I are born of God. Born again, Jesus talked about. Born in a spiritual way. How does that happen? Very simply, when we put our trust in Jesus for what he has done for us as our saviour. That means that we are changed. We've become, the Bible says, new creations. We have a completely different outlook on life and the world. Through coming to know God and taking God's promises at face value, Peter in one of his letters says this amazing thing. We become sharers in the divine nature. We share in the divine nature. Something of God is born into our hearts and we are changed on the inside. Now, when that happens for me and you, the world has stayed the same. But we are different people in that same world. And we are now in a position to overcome it. And how can we be sure that this has happened? Well, we have the same three witnesses that John refers to that tell us who Jesus was. We are baptised in water, into Jesus' death and into his new life. Washed clean, forgiven because of his blood shed on the cross, and we are filled with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we know from Galatians 4.6, it confirms or witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God that God is our Father. Amazing. So we overcome, firstly, by being born of God. And this victory, this overcoming of the world, is worked out through our faith. Because being born again introduces us to a world of faith, another realm. It opens up possibilities for us that didn't exist before when we were spiritually dead. This world is much more powerful than I am, or you am. It's mastered everyone that's ever been born into it, except Jesus. So I need access to a power that I don't have if I'm going to overcome. And what enables Christians to overcome the world is real faith in a real Jesus. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, trusting in who Jesus is and what he has done. That's why what we believe about him is so important. I need a real saviour, not a fake saviour who promises much and then can't deliver, who promises to turn up and then doesn't. And Jesus can only be that if he truly was 
who he said he was, holy God and holy man. Because if he was just holy God, well, he'd be amazingly powerful, but he still wouldn't really get what I go through. And if he was purely a man, well, he'd really get what I go through, but he wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Only faith in a real Jesus will overcome in this world. The early disciples, the apostles, they put their lives on the line, literally, for what they believed. How prepared are we to put our lives on the line, to waste, for want of a better word, our lives in pursuit of God? Let's remember what Jesus said. In this world you'll have trouble, but fear not, I've overcome the world. But if our faith isn't anchored in reality, we probably won't survive trouble. We really do need a saviour, and he'd better be real. Now, if you're watching and exploring, and you don't yet feel you need a saviour, you're not quite ready to become a Christian. But I want to encourage you to keep searching. I want to lovingly say to you, keep on looking, because you'll find. And we have a couple of things to help you explore and encounter God. They're called the Alpha Film Series and the Fire Pit Series, and you can find them both on this YouTube channel under our video section. So take a look. Because John finishes with a, a note of absolute clarity. He says, whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So if we can overcome through being born of God and through our faith, what does overcoming look like? Overcoming in the Bible sense is not success in this world's eyes, nor is it some sort of crazy triumphalism like the fictional computer technician Boris in the Bond film Goldeneye who keeps shouting out, I am invincible, even when he isn't. No, we need to look for Jesus to be our example. Born with miraculous events that we are about to celebrate as Christmas comes, but born homeless, in poverty, experiencing life as a refugee, spending 30 years in a backwater as a village carpenter. Jesus burst onto the scene doing miracles, and yet he still chose 12 pretty ordinary guys to hang around with. He had opportunities to do something in this world. The crowd would have made him king, but Jesus walked away from it all to spend his time healing the sick, preaching the gospel to the poor, and challenging the spiritual elite. He experienced opposition, injustice, false accusations, wrongful imprisonment, and was executed for a crime he didn't commit. Do you call that success? And then two words come into play, but God. But God raised him up from death. Jesus' victory over sin and death, his resurrection ascension may have been missed by many, but it was real. Bible commentator Tom Wright puts it this way, when God conquers, when God overcomes, he does it through suffering and dying. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, I think it means firstly that our status in life, high or low, and that our brokenness, great or small, do not disqualify us. Because when we admit that we need a saviour. When we come to the cross for Jesus to set us free, there Jesus qualifies us. 
Paul, writing to a church in a place called Corinth, reminds them. He says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Truth be told, we all like to put on a good show. In our social media world, we're all encouraged to put our best life forward. But the cross is a great leveller. What it means is we can be honest with God and we can be honest with one another. Because the reality is, I need a saviour who's not just real and who he says he is, but I need a saviour every single day. Heroes are not those who do great things and never experience fears and anxieties. Heroes are those people who overcome their fears and anxieties and do great things anyway. So overcoming means being honest about our brokenness. Secondly, Jesus' example also clearly points us to an eternal perspective rather than success in this life. Overcomers have a special place in the world to come, Jesus promises. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he says. And in Revelation 12, 11, it tells us this, they overcame because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony and because they did not life their, love their life even when faced with death. We might put it like this, overcomers overcome because the blood of Jesus overcomes Satan's accusations. The word of their testimony overcomes Satan's deceptions and their total commitment to follow Jesus, whatever, overcomes what Satan throws at them. We're not in a position to judge the success of our lives. Only God is. And we tend not to think very much about heaven. I heard a prayer recently, it said this, May God's word feed me and his spirit lead me into the week and into the life to come. And those things being together really struck me that I am walking with God into my week and ultimately walking into the life to come. It's amazing, something I had not really thought about often, but it's true. So overcomers have an eternal perspective. Thirdly, overcomers can take action. It's so easy, I know, to feel overwhelmed by the brokenness, the need, and sometimes the evil that seems to be all around. But that shouldn't stop us doing something. Romans 12, 21 encourages us. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In Ephesians 2.10, we learn that we are God's masterpiece, created us in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And 
In Acts, Peter describes Jesus as someone who went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Doing good because he is with us. Overcomers act because God is with them. So let me close with these thoughts. The recent news on vaccines has given us hope of an eventual end to this COVID pandemic. Yet even when COVID is, as we hope, a distant memory, we have, or we are going to be, I believe, left with a great legacy of need in all sorts of ways, and particularly in mental health. What the world doesn't need are plastic, pretend, stained glass window Christians who have their ticket to heaven and breeze through life without a care. What this world does need is real Christians who are honest, who face our fears, our anxieties, our doubts, our mental health challenges, battle them and overcome because we are trusting in Jesus' victory on the cross, because we are living in the freedom of his forgiveness and his grace and are filled with the Holy Spirit. Who overcome not because we're smarter or brighter or tougher than anyone else, but who overcome because we have a wonderful saviour who can and who will help us because that's who we are, overcomers with a wonderful saviour. So my challenge today is this, am I really trusting in what Jesus has done on a daily basis? Yes, I know Jesus saved me in my case many years ago, but I need a saviour every day. What's my testimony? Is it clear? Is it clear in my mind? Is it actually on my lips of what he's done for me? Am I prepared for a radical laying down of my life for Jesus? How focused am I on the life to come? Because it impacts what we do here when we see heaven more clearly. And specifically, when it comes to things like anxiety, you know, Jesus gave us a loving, gentle command. Don't be anxious. And he showed us strategies for how to deal with it. For our fears, Jesus promises to be with us. That's not an academic promise. That's like a, a mum or a dad with a little toddler saying, it's okay, I'm here. That's what he's saying to us. And our our mental health, our well-being, the Bible has strategies for developing a sound mind, allowing the Holy Spirit to help us grow and change our thinking. And what about doing good? I know so many of you are doing so many great things, and I would say let's not grow weary in doing good, but let's continue to look out for acts of love and kindness, a phone call, a prayer, a walk, speaking, or posting positively when so many around are negative and critical or carping. Dare I ask God at the beginning of each day, what have you prepared for me to do today, God? What good works have you prepared for me today? How can I show your love to my friends, family, neighbours and work colleagues? Because in these little things, in all of these little things, he will help us to be overcomers in this world we live in.
So let me pray. I'd like you to join me. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be our saviour. Father God, I realise more than ever now I need a saviour every day. But I thank you that I have a saviour who is willing and present and able to help me overcome day by day in the battles that I face. I pray for me, I pray for all of us who are watching, I pray that you would, by your spirit, just take something from this morning, one thing that you want to impress on our hearts and let it sink deep into our hearts. And I pray that in this coming week, we would become more like the Jesus who overcome, who overcame, and that we can take heart because of your victory that you have overcome. Amen.